nice game to look at that. It just comes out of nowhere. This guy's amazing. And he's got new shoes. Aren't they nice? The orange. Oh, look at him go. What a wholesome guy. I just moved here from a church in, a, in Mississauga, and we had a very, 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 very multicultural church, and it was awesome. I remember uh, my dad came to visit us one time there, and he was just kind of blown away. He's like, Ben, I think this is what heaven's going to be like. like. Every race imaginable. We, and it was really cool. And it also meant at certain times, church would get really loud, and it was like awesome. Like there was, there was one section of people that were like from the Caribbean, and they all sat together. And like when the pastor was preaching a good message, like they got into it. And it was so awesome and so exciting. And I remember one time there was, there was a student in a service like that that was like, and he wasn't from the islands. He was probably from the same place that I'm from. So he was, he was very white. Let's just leave it at that. And he didn't really like come from the background where people talk in church. And uh, the pastor's getting hyped up and excited. And he doesn't really know where to go with it. But he's feeling it. And he like people are shouting down the pastor. And he's like, yeah, kill that donkey. And people are like, what is going on? But the pastor was there and excited. Listen, I, I'm, I'm a pretty passionate, excitable guy. If at any point you want to yell something, as long as it's not about killing it, livestock... That's cool. If you hear me say something good, you can give me an amen. If not, that's okay. I'll just feel bad and secretly judge you. No, I'm kidding. I wouldn't do that. But we're picking up our story about the prodigal son. Last week, I'll give you a little bit of a refresher. We told the story that Jesus tells people about a son that abandons his family and he walks away because he has a transactional view of his father. He wants to get everything he can possibly get from him and he walks away. And how it leads him into a spot where he craves to be satisfied by the things that were never meant to sustain him. And he finally comes to his senses and he goes home to his father and his father is welcoming. Now we're going to look a little bit closer at the story about what happens when the father meets him in, in, in a sermon I'm going to call The Jacket, the Jewelry, and the Jordans. Because I'm a shoe guy, I'm sorry. If you, if you disagree with that, that's okay. It's probably worth judging. Um, but I'm going to read this story, and we're going to see where it picks up. So this story now, the son had just come home, and a little bit of background. The son at this point was working in a field of pigs. He was dirty. He was gross. He was disgusting. And this is in Luke chapter 15, I believe. And this is... Verse 20 says, so he got up and went to his father, but when he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put the ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for your word. God, thank you that it was, even though it was written so long ago, God, it can still ring true today. And God, I pray that as we just take a look at this passage tonight, God, that you reveal something new and powerful to us. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Have you ever been lost? Yes. Have you ever been like separated from people? And have you ever felt like it was your fault? Like... Google Maps now makes it pretty hard to get lost, but have you ever been like, oh, I trust Google, or I'm smart, I know the town better, and then you turn down somewhere and the roads close and there's a huge snowdrift and you're caught there for like an extra, it's only an extra like four minutes, but it's the worst day of your life because of it. I've gotten lost a couple of times. The first time I really got lost, I was probably seven years old, and I was in this place called Ontario Place. Has anyone ever been to Ontario Place? Really? You've been to Ontario Place? 
It, I thought it closed like 20 years ago, but I guess not. It was like the worst theme park ever. No offense, if you loved your time in Ontario Place, I'm not trying to call you out. It was not a great theme park. But my family was there and there was a water park there and my, my mom was gonna get changed and I was just old enough to kind of change by myself. She's like, I'll meet you at the lockers. I was like, okay, cool. And I went and then I got changed and I left the water park here and I went to these lockers and I couldn't find my mom. I was like, okay, maybe she meant other lockers. So I walked away. Maybe she went other lockers. I walked away. And so I'm now a seven-year-old for 45 minutes wandering down around this theme park in Toronto looking for every single locker. And I'm trying to figure out what's going on and then I start to get a little bit worried. Then I start to realize I'm going pretty far and I'm like, oh, my mom's gonna be so mad at me. I better get back home. She's gonna yell. She's gonna be so mad that I went to the wrong locker. So I'm like, maybe she's still at the water park. So after like 45 minutes of searching, it takes me another 15 minutes to get back because I know where I'm going roughly. And I walk back there and my see my mom running towards me and like, I'm gonna preface this. I wasn't the best behaved kid. Like for my fourth birthday, I remember this vividly. I was melting off and my mom wrapped up a wooden spoon as a present and I opened it and she hit me with it. And like, that's, that's not a reflection on my mom, that's a reflection on me. Heather Counts is a wonderful lady. But I remember she was running at me and I'm like, oh, I'm about to get it. And then she just hugged me and picked me up and she was like, I'm so afraid. Cause I was little, I didn't know the danger I was in. She wasn't angry with me at all. To this day, I never got punishment for blatantly disregarding what my mom said and giving myself a tour of the water park. You see, this is a situation where the son is expecting his father to be angry with him. He's expecting him to be mad. He's expecting him to greet him with punishment, but instead he greets him with something else. So let's look at this. See, he's not angry with the son. The father's not angry at all. And it's actually ridiculous. There's this crazy moment. The first thing it says, it says he wraps his arm around him and he kisses him, which is like, seems kind of nice, right? Until you remember like 45 seconds ago when we talked about where the son was immediately before he got here. He was literally living with pigs. It said he went to a faraway land. He was too poor for food, too poor for anything else. There's zero chance he could have afforded a bath. Maybe it rained on the way there, but I doubt it. He would have been walking, covered in all the gross things. Like, anyone here live on a farm? Barn chores, you've done barn chores? I've done barn chores before. I remember one time my friend was a farmer. He said, let's have a sleepover, I've got chores to do. We did barn chores. I was up to my knees in the stuff that comes out of cow that isn't milk, and it was gross, but we did it. This guy was living in that with pigs, and he walked home, and the first thing his father did was wrap his arms around him and kiss him. Ew. Right? Ew. <laughs> Listen. That might seem gross, but I want you to realize this. It doesn't matter what level of mess you think you're in. The first thing that God wants to do is show you love. The first thing that God wants is to let you know that he'll actually be the first person to greet you. He'll be the first person that says, hey, welcome home. The father wraps his arms around the son and kisses him. And then he says this, and this is awesome, right? He said, quick, bring the best robe and put him on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. There's a lot that happens in this passage. You see, there's the ring, the robe, and the sandals. I call it, sorry, the, the robe, the ring, and the sandals. I call it the jacket, the jewelry, and the Jordans because I don't wear a lot of robes anymore. But there's certain things. And so the first thing that he gives is he gives him a robe. Has anyone ever seen what robes looked like back then? It's not like a bathrobe. I was really tempted to bring like a big bathrobe out here, but I'm like, that's a weird image. And Kira's taking photos and people, it'll be up there without context. I'm like, who is this guy? 
These robes, were they weren't like a coat we'd wear today. They were quite elegant. They were quite heavy. They covered you often from head to toe. They would completely conceal anything that was going on. The first thing that the father does is he uses his ability. He says, get the robe, cover my son. And as you read on, he goes to a party afterwards. They celebrate. When the people saw the son, they would no longer see someone that was dirty, someone that was gross, someone that was covered in manure, someone that was a slave, someone that was broken. They would have seen the covering that the father provided him. Listen, I don't know where you are in life today. I don't know where, you, where you're coming from. I don't know what situation you found yourself in. But when you come to God, the first thing he wants to do is cover your sin. The first thing he wants to do is the things that, that you think make you unqualified, that make you dirty, that make you unclean. He wants to run, he wants to hug you, and he wants to cover it up. Not hide it away, but cover it up so when people look at you, like when God looks at you, he does not see someone that is dirty and unworthy. He actually sees his child that he loves so much. The robe covers him. It gives him a sense of meaning. It gives him a sense of identity. And there's this really cool kind of moment there where, where like, he doesn't give him a bath first, which would have been my thought, right? I wouldn't be like, get the nicest robe. I'd be like, start the shower. Jump in the lake. But he says, get the nicest robe. Because the truth is, like, often we think that we need to prepare ourselves and clean ourselves up before we can come to God. So many people, it's like, I couldn't come to God. I couldn't do that because I'm dirty. I, I sinned too much. I've made too many mistakes. But that's not what God's saying. God's not saying, hey, I don't, I'm not waiting for you to clean up. I want you to come to me, and I will help you clean up. See, he gives him the robe, and I imagine eventually the son would have taken a bath. Probably. I imagine eventually he would have gotten cleaned up. God's like, hey, I'm going to cover you for now, and the stuff that you're dealing with underwards, we'll work on that a little bit later. There's time in the journey of life. Listen, if you're dealing with sin and stuff, just because you come to God doesn't mean you're going to be completely free of everything you've done wrong. You don't have to deal with the guilt and the shame. He can cover you. You can have salvation. You can be in full relationship with him. But later on, he's going to help you get into the nitty-gritty and make it so you don't have to live that life anymore. But you don't have to do that first. The second part is the ring, the jewelry. Rings are like a funny thing. So this is a, this is my wedding ring I'm married. This isn't actually my wedding ring. This is a, like a silicone ring I ordered off of like Amazon. I've got like 10 of them for like $8. They're great because I lose things all the time. And I still have my wedding ring, but I've almost lost it a couple times. But different, like jewelry means different things these days. Like it could mean status, like it could mean you could see someone with like the diamond chains, like, oh, that person's got money, right? It could mean someone's married. It could mean someone that's, they're engaged, right? Like if a single guy's talking to a girl, he's always looking at her hands like, oh, is that a wedding ring? Like, they engage, am I, am I paid to talk to her? I don't know. Like, rings mean different things. This particular type of ring would have been what is known as a family signet ring. And with this is something that every, like, ranking member of the family would carry. And the way that they would use it is that's a symbol of the family's authority. That's a symbol that says, hey, this son has full access to all the resources of the family. This son has full access. He is fully an heir. He is fully part of the family. If he speaks to something, it is like the father is speaking to it. Simply because he's his son, not because he earned it, but because who he was by birth. You see, not only does God want to cover our sins, he actually wants to give us authority. 
He actually wants to give us the authority to look at things that aren't right and say, hey, you know what, that's, that's not the way things are supposed to be. He wants to give us the ability to walk forward and actually make a difference in what's going on. See, it, it's so weird to me. I'll talk to people that have been in a relationship with Jesus for a long time, and they're like, yeah, I didn't feel like it was my place to speak to that thing that was going wrong in my friend's life, or uh, I saw that, I didn't really want to say anything, because, you know, I'm just kind of freaking I was like, listen, the moment that you're in relationship with God, the moment you have unrestricted access to the Father, it should give you a level of confidence to deal with things in the world that your Father created. I said it before, I've got, I've got a three-year-old, and so she's relatively used to seeing me holding a microphone, because when she was a little younger, because it's weird, like kids, when they get to about two and a half or two years old, they really need a bedtime. When they're younger than that, it doesn't really matter. That's a life hack, write it down. But what, Pastor Ben said kids don't need bedtime. It's awesome, it's all we got from young adults today. It doesn't work because I'm not married, but whatever. But Josiah, write it down. <laughs> now, she, now, now he's getting nervous. No, um, she's relatively used, to, and when I was a youth pastor, I'd be in a moment like this, and at the beginning of the service, I got a three-year-old, I got a two-year-old, she's adorable, she wants to come say hi in the mic. Absolutely, I'm letting her say hi in the mic, because it's adorable, everyone loves it, and if they don't, deal with it. But it's not always like my microphone. And so she's been to this church maybe three times, and she is convinced she runs this place. Like, she has some understanding that her dad works here, so she thinks, this is my church. This is my building. I own this. We learned this Sunday morning when Pastor Marvin introduced me, and I had a microphone on my lap sitting right in this front row, and my wife was sitting next to me. And I don't know if anyone saw, but she full-out blitzed the microphone. She said, Daddy, I want to say something. I want to say something right now in the microphone. And then I'm like, honey, you can't. And then she like leaps over my wife and she's like trying to fight this like rabid toddler. I'm like trying to hold her back. And she's like going for the microphone. And like, I don't know, Pastor Marvin told me that he didn't see it happen, but I know he's just being nice to me. because And then she's like, I'm gonna go play. And then she just booked it down there and my wife had to chase her. But she's got this level of confidence here because she has some idea that her father works here. Listen, when you're carrying that signet ring, the authority that the father has is bestowed upon us. That means that our father in heaven is the creator of the universe, which means that we should carry ourselves differently. It means that we should understand the weight in our words. It means that we should understand that when we pray, God listens. When we speak things that can actually happen, when we, we can actually prophesy into things, we can actually call things out for the way they should be. We, we shouldn't let the things of this world that are below our authority bother us because we are a child of the king and we walk not only with his covering, but we walk with his authority. Can you imagine what your life would look like? Like, you know that spoiled brat kid that's like dad owns the, like whatever in town and they're like, oh, I can do this because my dad does this. Like, it's really annoying, but wouldn't you kill for that confidence? We should have that, not in an arrogant way, but in an understanding that, hey, our, our dad built this universe, and that's not the way he wants it, so I'm actually going to do what I can to get that right. Like, just that. If that's how we walked around every day, the world would be turned upside down. And then finally, the, the shoes, the sandals, the Jordans. And if I could call Josh to the keys, hopefully he can hear me. I didn't give him a cue because I was too busy just watching him play. Is that him there? Is he coming? Here he comes. I really wish we had someone else to play you up so you could have theme music when you came out. Like, like, I used to watch wrestling when I was a kid. And the one day I want like the keys player to come out and like fireworks and like the keys player's theme music comes like, oh, the sermon's about to get good. 
you know, the Jordans or, or the sandals, and I said, I'm a bit of a shoe guy, and so I just kind of threw that in there for myself. I'm not making a judgment call on them, but he gives him sandals, and this is an interesting thing, because as the wise man Forrest Gump once said, you can tell a lot about a person by their shoes, where they're going, where they've been. The first thing is interesting, the where they're going, because like, let, let's be serious. If you're going to leave the house, regard, like right now it's cold, I was writing, so I'm like, what's the first thing you do when you leave your house? I'm like, check the app to see how cold it is, press the remote starter on my car, hope that my block heater was plugged in, find my coat, not that coat, the warmer coat, that one's got the pockets, okay, fantastic, put the hood up, then lace up the boots. But let's say it's summertime. The first thing that you want to do is you got to make sure you put your shoes on, right? Because shoes are indicative of journey, which means that you're going to go somewhere. If you're giving someone shoes, especially in this context, it's pretty much like, hey, your journey's not done yet. Right? At the end of the day, what do you do? You go home, you take off your shoes, and you sit down, and, oh, I'll get my work shoes off. Or, like, I played a lot of hockey growing up, and, like, the most, like, the greatest feeling ever is, like, unlacing your skates and sliding back into your, like, airwalk skate shoes that are so fluffy and, like, cloudy, and then you just feel amazing. When you take off the shoes, that means the journey is done. He's saying, hey, you're going to need these. It's dangerous to go alone. Take this. Why? Why is he giving you shoes? Because this journey is not done. Because the ring and the robe don't mean anything if you do not bring the authority of God to those who don't know him yet. If you don't realize that I, as Christians, we're not meant to stay in the same spot. We're not meant to just sit at home. We're actually meant to go forward. You see, shoes in that time were a luxury. Not everyone wore shoes. It was something that you had to be read like slaves did not own shoes. And the word slave is a little bit mixed there. It's not like the type of slavery that we look at in like North American history. It's a little bit different. Like it's halfway between that and an employee-employer relationship. So it's not all like the terrible things. So just a side note, if you read in the Bible, it's talking about slaves. It's not always condoning the ugly image of, like the awful ugly image of slavery that North America had. That's just a side note. But they didn't own shoes. The average commoner didn't own shoes. You know what happens if you don't own shoes? Have you ever walked over gravel like when you're wearing bare feet? Like, you ever, like, gone outside to grab something? You're like, oh, I'll just bring the garbage into my bare feet. It's fine. And, like, a car drove by, and there's these little tiny rocks, and, like, you don't even see them, and they're like, ah, ow, 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 But when you're wearing a nice pair of shoes, you don't even realize it. You see, when the father gives them the shoes, it's like, hey, you're going to go on a journey, and the things that used to damage you won't anymore because you've got something that can deal with it. You're going to be able to walk much further than you ever thought you could because of what I'm giving you. You're going to be able to accomplish so much more. Your grip will be more firm. You will have to be firmly planted on what I'm giving you because you got this pair of shoes on. Ephesians 6.15 says this, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. The gospel, that's the good news of who Jesus is. That's the shoes that we're talking about. It's being ready to go at any moment. Like I said, I, like I'm a shoe guy, and if anyone saw me, I would have been really embarrassed coming in here today because I had like four shoe boxes with me because I had like the shoes that I'm wearing now because I don't want them to get snowy. I know it's petty. I know it's vain. I'm sorry, but I, I don't want them to get snowy. I had my boots on because they're warm, and then I had a pair of like basketball shoes or like like gym shoes that I could maybe play, if maybe lose some dodgeball or some basketball after in the gym, maybe some spike ball, maybe someone will finally teach me pickleball, I don't know. But I came ready to go. 
So brought different pairs of shoes. What the son is receiving from the father is, hey, this is a call. This is a commission to go forward. And if the rest of the band wants to join me on stage, because I'm almost done here. I know, I didn't give you guys a cue. I'm sorry. He's like, he's struggling. I'm going to help him out a little bit here. Now it's just like the whole vibe just changed here. I don't want to think about it. <laughs> he gives him these shoes and says, hey, listen, you're going, to have, you're going to go. You're going to go on this journey. So listen, if you're here today and you feel like maybe you don't have a home, maybe you feel like you're, you've been lost, you've been dirty, you've been let down, let me tell you a couple things. First of all, God wants to embrace you. He wants to love you. He wants to get his hands dirty in the mess. There's nothing that you can do that will separate you from his love. He actually wants to cover you. He wants to give you that robe. He wants to give you that jacket that will, when people look at you, they won't see the failure anymore. When God looks at you, doesn't see the, the, the times that we've made a mistake. All he sees is a son or a daughter of the king. He wants to give you the ring, the authority, the confidence to speak things into the way that they're supposed to be, to make changes in the world around you. And when people are like, well, you on whose authority? On God's authority. And then he wants to make your journey easier. You're still going to have to walk places. You're still going to go over obstacles, but those obstacles that used to trip you up aren't going to hurt you as much anymore because you've got that protection. He wants you to be ready to spread the gospel. And he actually wants to celebrate that with you because this is, hey, get the best calf. Slay the fattened calf. Can you imagine if we still said that? So I was like, ah, oh, like, my, my football team won. Slay the fattened calf. And I was like, what is going on? But they're saying, hey, get the best party together we can. And let's celebrate because my son that was lost, listen, you need to realize something. There's this misconception that the world throws at you that God doesn't want you if you've sinned. That God doesn't want you if you've made a mistake, that you're no longer worthy. That is the biggest lie in the world. I thought my mom was mad at me because I was missing. When the truth is, she was just so excited that I was home safe. Listen, if you're here, even if you're here and you were brought here on a whim, you don't know why you showed up to church today, did you know that God is unbelievably excited that one of his kids is just like looking towards home? And he wants to celebrate with us. And the story goes on, and then this is a weird part of the story that always kind of irked me. I didn't get it. The son, and I identify with this other son, because there's two sons, remember the beginning? There's the one that literally went and spent all his money on drugs and all the crazy wild living, and then he comes home, and then his dad throws a big party, and his other brother's like, ah, Dad, where's my party? We laugh, but how often us as Christians, maybe you're like me and you grew up in the church and you see someone's life radically transformed by the, the gospel, and you're like, I wish I could be that excited about Jesus, but I was just born here, so I'm not. Why, is, why isn't the pastor preaching at me? Why is he only preaching at people that don't know God yet? Why is he talking about me more? And the fathers are like, dude, you live here. You can go to the pantry whenever you want. You're literally wearing the same ring I just gave him. You have unrestricted access. Get off, get the chip off your shoulder, and come party with your brother who's home. Listen, I don't know where we find ourselves today. Last week we talked about coming to our senses to come home. Listen, if you're here and you're at a point where you're like, yeah, I, I need that. I feel lost. I feel, I feel alone. 
I feel unworthy of love. I feel like I've made so many mistakes. Is the craziest part of all of this story, that son that receives all that love and acceptance, it is a thousand percent his fault that he's in that situation. Like, you could be here like, Pastor Ben, you don't understand. The reason why I'm like this is because I made this choice and I made this choice. Yeah, this son literally said to his dad, hey, I kind of wish you were dead, so give me everything you got so I can go blow it on prostitutes, on drugs, on alcohol, on partying, and all that wild living. That's what he said to his dad. That's the last conversation that they had. And I'm pretty sure no one here has said that directly to God. And even if you have, guess what? He doesn't care. He loves you. I mean, he cares. prefer if he didn't do that, but... He still loves you. Isn't that awesome? One person? Cool. That's all right. Listen, if you're comfortable, can we all stand here? Because I'm about to finish. And we're going to go into a song. If, if, if there's one thing that I can convey to you guys from these two sermons is this. And I know I might feel like I'm being a dead horse in this, but listen, you're not too far gone. There's no possible way you could ever find yourself in a situation where God is not waiting to embrace you, to cover you, to give you authority, and send you out to do greater things. And, and I would include myself in this for those of us that feel like, well, yeah, like we've grown up in the church. Then what's our excuse for not celebrating like that all the time? What's our excuse for not taking full advantage of the Father? Right, last week I talked talked about this uh, this jar of like uh, Kirkland trail mix. Love it, it's so good. It sits on my parents' counter in Ottawa. Whenever I go home, that's the first thing I go to. When I was in high school, I really didn't eat that much trail mix. And like, this isn't some deep spiritual thing, it's just an observation. So, he's preaching about trail mix again. Yeah, yeah. My mom got that trail mix for me, like as my as like part of like my birthday gift. It's kind of like a gag thing. I ate the whole tub of it in like a day and a half because after I'd understood what it was like to not be around it, I was like, "This is actually really, really, really good." I don't know about you guys, but when I come like from Ontario, there's a lot more lockdowns, and we came back into church. We actually worshipped a little bit harder because we remembered what it was like to be without it. Maybe you're going through a dry spell in your relationship with God, and like the crazy part is that son that stayed was going through a dry spell within the relationship with his father, and he didn't even realize it because he was still there. But he never took advantage of the relationship that was there. Maybe that's you today, and you need to fix that dry spell by going all in in worship, by going all in in your prayer life, by celebrating. So this isn't just a call for people that are far away to come home. That's 100% what it is. But it's also called like, hey, realize the access to the Father that you have and take advantage of it. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray. It's funny. Again, like last week with the homecoming thing, I didn't tell you I was preaching on that. And then I met with these two guys about worship, and I was like, like, what are you preaching on? I'm like, I'm preaching about like the ring, the robe, and the shoes, and they kind of looked just like, we have a song. I was like, cool. They're like, you think we can do it? I was like, do it. And they're like, oh, it's, I don't know, it's perfect. I'm like, it is perfect. Do it. So here's what I'm gonna do. Because God spoke to you guys about the song before he spoke to me about it. I'm gonna pray, I'm gonna hand it over to you. You guys can direct this how you want, but let me challenge you. That same energy and spirit that the son ran to his father with, that run to God like that. The same excitement that the son that stayed home should have had, 
Man, try to bring that out in your worship. That same excitement when I said, hey, be at home, be comfortable, enjoy worshiping God. Get, allow yourself to get a little bit excited, a little bit undignified before the Lord. Don't get too crazy. We still got to, you know, not get in trouble. But you know what I mean. Did, did Josiah do something dumb? His shirt's still on? Okay, good. <laughs> But allow yourself to get a little bit excited. Allow yourself to experience freedom and see what happens. Force yourself through the mud, through the dry spell, and realize that God's not mad at you for not engaging in worship sooner. He's just excited that you got here. He's not mad at you for not having a better prayer life. He's excited that you're talking to him now. He's not upset at you that you missed the last three services. He's just happy, and he wants to journey forward with you. So I'm going to pray, and they're going to take this away. You guys ready? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we pray in this moment, God, that chains are broken. God, that, that we come to our senses and we come home to you. God, I pray in this moment that, God, that we make a physical change in the way that we worship you. And, God, that we pursue you. And, God, that as we pursue you, we know that you are running towards us, God. And whatever effort we put into relationship with you, God, you send it back to us a thousandfold. And, God, I pray in this moment, God, we experience real freedom in this place. God, we experience real joy. And, God, for those of us that have been in your house our whole lives, God, God, I pray that we get a new hunger and we celebrate with those of us that are just coming home for the first time. And God, for those of us that are making a decision to start the journey towards you, God, I pray they know that all of heaven waits and celebrates with them. In your holy name we pray, amen.